Amen. Church, grab your seats. Thank you so much for coming and uh, worshiping with us this morning. My name is Davey, for any of you that don't know me, um, and it is a privilege to get to come and share uh, the Word of God with you this morning. If you have a Bible, can you turn to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse 21 to 26. And if I had to give a title for what I am speaking about this morning, it would be this. Losing never looked so good before. Losing never looked so good before. And it's in Matthew chapter 16 that in this passage that we're about to read, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he is predicting his death. And in verse 21 of Matthew 16, he says, It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Verse 24, Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And look at this, verse 25, I want to focus in on this. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Last week, uh, Kelsey and I um, celebrated one year married. We made it, you know, um, and we celebrated with lots of lempsip because I was dying with a flu. Um, so we're going to celebrate today. We're going uh, out for a carvery today. So it'll be great fun. Um, but over the year of being um, married, we learned a lot of things about growing up. We learned lots of stuff about actually living by yourself, um, and some of them were, were quite good. Um, some of them were, you just don't realize when you live at home. And so I want to um, give you a laugh at some things that we realized over the last year. You remember the time, I remember I used to say that I thought school was the worst days of my life, and I couldn't wait to leave, and now I would probably pay to go back to school, <laughs> like... Happily, we go back to school like nine to three, and then you do a couple of homeworks. Happily, would do that. Um, you don't realize how much your parents do for you <laughs> until you have to do everything yourself. Um, and you realize, I say, Kelsey, I have no t-shirts. She's like, well, you wash them yourself. I was like, oh, yes, we do those things ourselves now. Um, uh, food doesn't magically appear in the fridge. I used to think that living at home. I was like, Mom, this is amazing. This, every time I open this fridge, or just food appears. Um, it doesn't magically appear. And in fact, shopping day in our house comes every seven days. And it's like, it's shopping day again. We have to order Tesco shopping again. It comes every seven days. Um, it takes longer to make a meal than to eat it. I don't like that. Kelsey's like, you don't even make the meal, so what do you care? Um, but it takes longer to make it than eat it. So that's why it's like, let's just do as quick a meal as we possibly can. Um, yeah, some things are so expensive. Like, who knew dishwasher tablets were so expensive? <laughs> oh, and we have a dishwasher, which is great because you just throw it all in there, but then it's like, 
Eight pounds for 12 tablets? What's going on here? He's probably thinking, where are you getting your tablets from? Um, yeah, and for us, I don't know about you, but we have learned over the year that it genuinely, for our house, would be much cheaper if we just bought a cow. See the amount of milk we go through. It's not even funny. Like, we have a, a recycling bag um, that we just, we'll fill it up in the house and then we'll take it out to the recycling bin um, when it gets full. But the other day I took it out and honestly, it was like cereal boxes and milk cartons. That's all it was. I was like, this is embarrassing. Like, how much milk can two people drink? Uh, but we just go through cereal like, and milk like there's no tomorrow. Uh, but there's all these things that over the year, as you grow up and as you mature, I realize uh, that you learn that going through maturity and growing up, there's a lot of things about life and about yourself that you learn. And one of the, the things that, that we get better at and we get good at as we grow up is at saving things, at saving stuff. And um, some of you might be like those, uh, have you seen that show, like The Secret Hoarder, and they just keep everything. And um, that was a bit of the challenge when Kelsey and I moved in. Kelsey was wanting to bring like books from P1 and coloring books. I was like, no, we don't need that. Leave it at home. Um, but as the older we get, we get really good at saving stuff. We get good at, at saving money. And for me, I, I learned this in my life. Growing up, uh, going through uh, tech and university, I would have got student loans. And growing up, I would have just spent it willy-nilly. I never really thought in much intentionally about it. But the last few years, as I've matured, I've tried to be really intentional uh, with saving money. I, I've tried to be better with, with keeping stuff. We, as we get older, we get better at keeping stuff in, at making the right decisions. Or, or uh, put it another way, we, we learn maybe not to take as many risks. You see, we can, uh, and well, this is for me anyway, I don't know if you agree with me, but I can sometimes associate reckless spending or giving or, or just reckless decisions with immaturity. And actually, as I get older, I want to, I want to associate maturity with, with actually holding things, with, with saving stuff, with taking my time. And, and obviously, I'm talking in the parallel of life, but that can link across to our relationship with God. If you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, sometimes we can think that maturity, as we get older in our relationship with Jesus, it's all about saving stuff. It's keeping stuff in. It's not making rash decisions. We're older. We should know better. We should think about everything we do, which is true. We should be wise. But sometimes then we can, I know that I can. It's all about the older I get, I should save more. I should keep more things in. And then we read a verse like Matthew 16, 25. The tales that Jesus says to us that if you hold on to your life, if you try to save it, if you try to keep it in, you will lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you will actually find it. And in our lives, we try, for me getting older and for a lot of us getting older, we try to save and keep stuff in. We try to save money. And I'm not against that, I'm very much for that. But if that is a priority, that we're so secure in just keeping our money, if we just make decisions, lifestyle choices to settle and try and keep secure and save where we are. And then Jesus says, Matthew 16, 25, whoever would save his life in the ESV, whoever would save his life, whoever would keep it, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, this is deeply challenging, deeply challenging. In fact, it's uncomfortable. In fact, you're thinking, I don't want to hear this on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Why did I come out? It's countercultural. It's not what we want to hear. We, this is maybe a passage of Jesus that we try to go past. 
We want to talk about him walking in water? Absolutely. You want to talk about the stories of Jesus going through storms? Because they bring comfort to us. But this, when he tells us, hey, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. That is uncomfortable. Because society is telling us, hold on. Hold on. Save some things. Keep it all to yourself. Society tells us that. And now we read this, that Jesus says, no, 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 let it go. Stop holding on to it. Basically, in essence, what Jesus is saying is the more of your life you lose, the more of my life you gain. The more of your life you lose, the more of my life that you gain. And it's not the first time that this is mentioned in the Bible. In fact, before Jesus comes onto the scene, before he starts his ministry, there is a man called John the Baptist. And in John chapter 3, verse 30, he writes these famous words that he says, He, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater, I must become less. It needs to be less of my life and more of his life. John the Baptist recognized the significance of Jesus becoming a priority in our lives. And listen, if we're honest, most of us in here, we actually want to give more of our lives to Jesus. It's not that we're completely against this. We actually want to give more of our lives to Jesus, but it's hard. You see, we're in a culture, and we live in society, we live in a world that encourages holding on to stuff, encourages keeping things. And actually, the older we get sometimes, we just become settled in life. You'll, I've had conversations with people and say, but, oh, do you know what, I couldn't do that. I'm, I'm older now. You know, they, they admit that the, the struggle is tradition. They, people admit that the struggle is we have just done this way of life for so long. It's really hard to shake what we've got. We've got settled in our ways. And this is what this analogy will represent. You see, this glass could look like our lives. This glass looks like our lives. And the ping pong balls inside of it represent the things that we have. The things in our lives it might represent traditions that you've been brought up in life and brought up maybe in this church since the day it began. And church has just been done a certain way. It might represent lifestyle choices, lifestyle choices that you've made in your life. And it becomes really difficult for you to lose that because this is stuff that I have made those choices. It actually might be your attitudes. It might be our attitudes that we so often have just got accustomed to, that it just becomes the way of life and it's really hard to shake those attitudes because that's just who we are. It might be the secret sin that we carry because we all struggle with sin. And maybe it's the secret sin that we carry that actually it's part of our lives and I've been doing it for so long and I can't let it go because it's part of my life and I kind of enjoy it because sin can be enjoyable. The enemy's not going to make sin not enjoyable. He's going to make it tempting to take us off our path. And so our lives get filled with different things, our own desires, our own thoughts. And let's, represent, let's think for a moment that this water represents God. This represents us. And, and we start to add more of God into our lives. We start to add more and more. And eventually, those things in our life start to come to the forefront and you see, we as followers of Jesus start to invite Jesus into our lives. But the thing is, if you invite Jesus into your life, he will take over. 
I've mentioned that point before. When you invite Jesus into your life, he will take over. John chapter 2, they invite Jesus to a wedding. He doesn't just sit in the background. He's a life and soul of the party. He turns water into wine. The two people at the end of Luke in the road, of, the road to Mess, they invite Jesus into their home. What does he do? He starts breaking the bread. He starts doing it. When you invite Jesus into your life, he takes over. And so what actually happens is some of these attitudes, some of these traditions, some of these things that we are used to, they might just start to fall out. They bring to the forefront of our mind. They might just start to leave our lives as we get more and more of Jesus. But now the thing is here, church, is that when we invite Jesus into our lives, he will take over. He will take over, but only if we let him. Only if we let him. You see, imagine I'd done this analogy again, okay? But with all these things that represent what is already in our life, imagine I started to pour this, but didn't let the ping pong balls out. Water would start to spill over the side and they would stay in. Why? Because I'm keeping them in there. I don't want them to leave. And I don't know about you, but for me, that can be my relationship with Jesus as he pinpoints stuff. He actually, in this analogy, brings stuff to the forefront of my mind. For some of you this morning, he's already started to bring stuff to the forefront of your mind. Secret sin, attitudes, traditions, thoughts that you have about church. He's brought them to the forefront of your mind. But we struggle because we want to hold on to them. We want to hold on to that secret sin. We want to hold on to that attitude about worship. When it comes to church and worship, we want to hold on to that attitude of worship that I don't want. Like, I love that the young people get up and get excited and, and sing and dance. I love that people on the stage really go for it, but it's not, it's not me. I'm uncomfortable with it, and so I'm just going to hold on to it. And that uncomfortable thing that, that Jesus is bringing up to say, this is part of your life that you need to lose. We just try to hold on to it because it's, it suits our lives. Or that idea of, of giving generously. We're like, oh, I don't really know. Like it's a wee bit uncomfortable. It means I have to sacrifice more. So as Jesus is trying to pour more into our lives and, and get rid of the things in our lives, we're holding on to them. The, the thing is that we actually like that secret sin. We actually like those attitudes. We like traditions. And so in our minds, what we say is this. We say, Jesus, come on in. Absolutely. You can come into my life, but you need to get on with everything that's already in there. Yeah, I, I have some things in my life that I'm, I'm happy with, so I need you just to work your way around them. Just sort of fill in the gaps. Don't push anything out of the way. Don't upset the status quo. Jesus, you can come into our church meetings. Absolutely. But don't do any of that weird Holy Spirit stuff. No, 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 no. Don't change the program. We've structure. Jesus, you can come into my day-to-day, -day, but this is my routine, so if you could just work around that, like I could fit you in on a Tuesday night, but I'm busy this week. And so what we do is we hold on to our lives, and if Jesus, you could just fit in, that would be, that would be excellent. That would be great. The issue with Jesus is that when you invite him in, he'll take over. And he is relentless for you guys. He's relentless for us. He is jealous. He wants all of our lives. He wants everything to do with you. And he will stop at nothing. Stop at nothing until he has all of you. Because he is a jealous God and he wants all of us. But here's the thing. See, every time I read this passage in, in Matthew 16, 25, I get uncomfortable because Jesus uses the word lose. He says, if you lose your life, then you will find it. And I feel uncomfortable with that because what do we associate the word lose with? 
defeat, negativity. It's a loss, it's a, it's a negative word. And so when Jesus says, lose your life, we automatically think doom and gloom. We think he wants me to have an awful life. Jesus just wants to come and just take over and give me a miserable life here on earth. But that's contradictory to what he says in John 10, 10. He says, no, I've come to give you life and life to the full. So what if, if we thought of this analogy for a second of not only just our traditions, not only just our attitudes, our secret sin, our desires, because we all have them. But do you know what we also have? We all have a past. We all have guilt. We all have shame. We all have hurts. We all have burdens. And what if actually that, that glass jar with the ping pong balls in it start, what if it actually represented our past, our hurts, the things that we have done that we think God could never forgive us on, the things that just clog up our lives. Maybe for you, there's a lot of burdens in your life at the minute, uh, family illnesses, financial worries, worries in work, at home, in your personal relationships. Our lives can be clogged up and filled with things that actually burden us. And so what if actually we poured, we looked at that analogy and Jesus poured himself in and actually took out the things that are burdening us, took out our sin, took out our shame, took out our guilt. These things that, that actually clog up so much of our lives. Jesus said, hey, if you invite me in and lose your life, you actually win. You get a gain. You get rid of all those things. Come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What about that wee song we used to sing? Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Like, it's real childish and immature, but it's so true. Like actually, this represents our lives. If we could allow him to come in and take over our lives, what life could that bring? What freedom could that bring? When you let him in, he'll take over. And it comes with a bit of a tension. It comes with tension when what Jesus and what the Bible says for our lives and our thoughts and our views and our opinions, when they collide and contradict, there is tension. So when, when the Bible tells us to worship freely, to dance before the Lord, to lift your hands and worship, but we just think, hmm, I'll pass on that one. I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's uncomfortable. Or there's, there's certain songs I like to lift my hands to. Then it's contradictory. Then this verse, Matthew 16, 25, where he says, you need to lose your life is a challenge to us. But we need to trust him that actually losing our lives can give us life, can, we can gain from this. What about the tension comes when, as I said, it says, give generously. That we should give generously. When I go back, I retaliate with, yeah, but I tithe. So like, that's me covered, surely. What if we're actually supposed to give above and beyond? That's what generous living means, giving above and beyond. That's what the Bible says. What if we were to lose our lives and what could we gain? And the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Yet my mindset is, God, I have a busy week. I've, as I said, I have a spare couple of hours. I can give you some time. There's the challenge. There's the contradiction. What about when the Bible says, surrender all of your life? And we think, do you know what, God? I'll give you the bits of my life that I'm happy with you looking after, but there's parts that I want to hold on to. You see, in those moments, we need to lose our life and see what we can gain. You see, nine times out of ten, 
The reason that we hold on to stuff and don't give it is because of pride. Nine times out of ten, it is pride that holds us back. We have this attitude, as I said at the start, that the older we get, the more mature we are, and the more we realize we can hold on to stuff. And we can do this ourselves. If for me and for many of you, you've been a lot longer Christians than I have. I'm only 26. I've been saved since I was about eight. But I know already in the journey of my life that as I've walked on, I realize this. The older I get, the more I realize I need Jesus. The older I get, I don't actually, my mind is countercultural because I don't think I'm equipped. I don't think I can do this. I need him more and more every day. And so the older we get, then I, we should be giving more of our lives away because I don't need this, God, I actually need more of you. So I need to get rid of some of this stuff to make room for you because I need you more and more every day. The older I get, the more I realize I need Jesus. Because I'm convinced as I come to a close here that at the end of our lives, we are never going to say things like, you know what, I wish I gave less money away in my life. We're never going to say that. We're never going to say, I wish I gave less money away. We're never going to say, do you know what, I wish I, I wish I was more reserved in worship. I wish I didn't jump around and get excited about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for my, my sins. I wish I didn't get excited about that. We're not going to say that. We're not going to say, I wish I, I didn't surrender as much. I wish I kept more to my life. They're not things that we're going to say. We're wanting, we're going to want to lose our lives. And as the band come and join me, maybe this has all been a bit of a challenge, but you're thinking, well, how do I do this, David? Because you're right, we live in a world that's counterculture. We live in a world that tells us to keep hold of things, to hold on to your life. So how do we do this? Thankfully, the Bible gives us that advice, 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. We fix our eyes, not on the things that we see right now, but we fix our eyes on the things that we don't see. We fix our eyes on heaven because that is eternity. Um, i done an analogy a while back on our Friday nights, and I'd seen it by a guy called Francis Chan, and he has this huge rope, big massive rope, and at the end of the rope, he has like a wee bit of insulating tape, a bit of red insulating tape, and he puts it just on the end of the rope. The rope could go the whole side of this room, and just at the one end, he has this wee bit of red insulating tape on the end, and he says, let's say, for example, that this red tape represents the average life of a human being. You've probably heard this one before. The average life of human being, about 80 years, 80 to 90 years. It says, this is what we can focus on. This is what we spend all of our lives dedicating our, ourselves to. Yet there's this whole rope, and it goes on and on and on and on and on, and never ends, which is eternity. And what we do is we fix so much of our lives on the here and the now. Do you know how we lose our lives? By fixing our eyes on the eternity, what's coming after. I am much more willing to give away more of my money when I fix my eyes on what is to come after. But my issue anyway for me is I fix my eyes on that wee bit of red tape. When it comes to worship, I fix my eyes on what people will think of me in here rather than what I get to do in eternity with him. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. CFC in Belfast, the other, uh, a while back done a series, an incredible series called Decorate the Hotel Room. Amazing idea. 
And the, the, the lead pastor, I, I watched the sermon a while back, the lead pastor tells a story at the start to, to illustrate the series of a family. They've just come back from holiday. And the senior pastor tells the story of how he's, this, this family have come back from holiday in the Mediterranean and they get home to realize that their house is burnt down. But there is a man standing there, an insurance man with a clipboard. And he's, I'm sorry, I think he says they're Mr. and Mrs. Jones. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, your house is burnt down. But listen, everything's all sorted. The insurance is sorted. The contractors are going to get to start to work immediately. I think they've got Aaron McKay again to do the work. Um, so you're thinking, ah, oh, it was never getting done on time. <laughs> Why you good? And so he says that what we've do is we've got all the money, the insurance money sorted for you and it's in the bank. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna put you in a, a hotel for nine months until the house, your house gets built. And then the money that you have in the bank, it's gonna repay to refurbish the house and replace all the things that you'd, you'd lost in the fire. So they go away and they, they get into their hotel room. They're trying to sort of formulate their thoughts about what happened. And they realize, well, this is where we're gonna be setting up base camp for the next while, nine months in here until our house gets built. A Couple of weeks into the, their, their stay there, pastor tells the story that a couple of weeks as they stay there, they realize we're not getting good sleep here. These, these, these pillows aren't that comfortable. This bed is not comfortable. So they, they replace, they use some of the money in the bank and they go and they replace the pillows and they get real lovely like Egyptian cotton bedding and they get the quality stuff. They, they'd spend the, the next few months starting to replace things, replacing the scrubby carpet, the shower, the light bulbs, they get blackout curtains. They spend some money to decorate this room because they're going to be living there a while, yeah? Like they're going to be here for a wee while so they might as well enjoy it. Six or seven months into their nine-month waiting process, they get a knock on the door. And up comes the insurance man with his clipboard, a big grin on his face, and dangling some keys. Saying, a miracle has happened. Aaron McKay got it done. I'm sure. We got it done on time. The house is actually ahead of schedule. Now you can move into your house. Oh, you've just got a blank shell though. You need to move in and the money that you, we've given you, it's, it's ready to go. You just need to refurbish it. And at that moment, their faces drop because they have spent all their money, time, energy and commitment focused on the hotel room that they were just passerbys in. That they were just passing through. And that is a challenge for us this morning, church, that we can get so caught up holding on and keeping our lives here on earth when we are just passing by, that we are of eternity to spend. And so can I encourage you and challenge you? What is God saying you need to let go of your life? What are the areas? Thankfully, this is what the Holy Spirit comes in now and throughout, hopefully, what I've been saying, He will have prompted some things and brought things to the forefront of your mind that we need to let go. We need to let go. And like the Jones family, we can so often get caught up in this idea that this here, what we're living in and doing now is the goal. This is it. Where this is just a small marker of red tape before eternity with him. This is not the goal. We are foreigners, we are passing through and we are eventually going home. Jesus says this in Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19, 21. Do not store up your, for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Can I ask us to stand, church? 
we're gonna sing a few songs. It's gonna be this idea of surrender. Time to surrender some more things. Can I encourage you? This might be the moment for you to actually let go and lose some things of your life. Maybe it has been that idea of, of worship. Maybe there is some things you can act upon right now. Maybe it's some things that God needs you to go home and do. But come on, let's not be a church that holds on to things. But let's start to let go. Because losing for our lives has never looked so good before.